0: is
1: so he says don't lose heart because right now things are not going as planned because god has a timing There's a a way that God works. We like the end. God's into the process. We want to get to the other side. God likes to grow us up in the midst of it all. We have to have his perspective. Lord, I'm about the process too, because you are.
0: When you think of Moses and God's deliverance, it's all about God taking his people out of Egypt. Freedom from slavery. As a believer, God delivers you as well. He can liberate you from selfishness, anger, pride, all of those things that keep you from becoming the person that He created you to be. Today, Pastor Daniel will explore what it means for God to deliver us, not into perfection, but redemption. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, What God Will Do.
1: the first number of chapters in the book of Exodus. And the reason I do is because it's so real for all of us. Watching Moses in the beginning of his ministry, in the beginning of stepping out in God's calling is so absolutely normal for anybody who's ever taken a step of faith with the Lord. Do you remember how this went? Moses was raised in Pharaoh's home. He believed that God had his hand on his life, that God was going to use him to be a deliverer for the children of Israel. We find that in the book of Hebrews, right? And then he ends up in the wilderness. He ends up tending sheep on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And then God calls. And by the time God calls, Moses is so beside himself, so humble that he doesn't even want to go. He's freaked out. And he makes all those excuses in chapters 3 and 4. And each time, God says, look, you want certainty, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be faithful. I can't give you certainty. You have to walk by faith. You want to walk by sight, but you have to walk by faith. So you just have to step out. I'll be with you. I'm God. He keeps going over this and over this and over this. So Moses finally goes. He finally is like, okay, I'm going to go. Right, And so he steps on out in ministry, no doubt very exciting. He goes and tells the children of Israel, they're stoked. They start worshiping the Lord. And then they go to Pharaoh and they're standing before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's just like, no. And then he makes life hard for the children of Israel. At the end of chapter 5, all of Moses' excitement about doing the work of the Lord has been dashed. Because now everyone's mad at him. And it's a common story. Somebody believes somebody feels a call a tug on their heart from the Lord to step out in ministry And there's an excitement. There's it's exhilarating and then you step on out And reality sets in and it's hard and you're rejected And what most people do at that point is they do what they quit because it's just too hard. No nobody's interested And then God shows up again if you stick it out long enough to reaffirm his calling on your life And if you've ever tried to step out to serve the Lord, that's what happens. You're excited. You're called You step on out and it gets hard I remember when I I was 24 years old. I left California to go back to my home state of New Jersey to plant a church in God called, I mean, a church in New Brunswick, New Jersey, where Rutgers University was, where I went to college. I'm like, man, they need a, a Bible-teaching church here in New Brunswick. And in my mind, I just imagined we were going to put out our little sign and people were going to run from the ends of the earth to hear me teach the Bible. I was just, I mean, I was called. God was with me. And I remember that first Sunday. We didn't have any money, so we got a free room in a student center of Rutgers two o'clock service, we figured for college students, they want to sleep in, right? Perfect time. That's like 10 in the morning for everybody else. We were ready. Four people came. And the tithe was about $18, which about 15 of it was for me. And then the next week, there was five people. And then the third week, there was two people. And I remember about eight months into this (laughs) this experience of downward mobility in ministry. And I remember, it must have been about six months, and I woke up in the morning, and I thought to myself, you know, I might need to go back to California. And I remember laying in my bed. It was a Sunday morning. Normally, I'm the guy, it's like, I'm up before the alarm on Sunday morning. I'm ready. It's Sunday. And I remember just being like, Lord, I just do not want to get out. I mean, I'm going to lug this sound system into the community center up a flight of stairs, and... For three people. I mean, we don't even need a sound system. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. said, Daniel, I have people in this city. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. And the church didn't explode after that. We grew by two, three, ten. Eventually, God put a great church there in New Brunswick. But it's so easy to quit before God gets going. Because God, if he's going to use you, needs to break you first. That's just the way it is. If you want to make a grape bottle of wine, you got to crush those grapes. Just the way it is. You want to plant a beautiful tree, you got to kill that seed. The seed gives up itself so that you can have fruit. That's just the way it is. But oftentimes, in a culture like ours where Ease and comfort drive the bus. It's so much easier to quit before God can use you. So I want us to learn from Moses tonight. Because Moses, although he wanted to quit, he hung in there. And God's going to use him powerfully. Now, let's pick up at the end of chapter 5, just to set the stage a little bit. So Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. It's okay to ask the Lord why, but we just shouldn't boss him around like he's our employee. That's the key. You want to come as yourself to the Lord, but just make sure you remember who you're talking to. Like, I love my son Obadiah, and he's seven, and he's a talker. He gets that from his mom. (laughs) And sometimes Obadiah will just say something, and I'll say, excuse me, and I'll be like, sorry, Dad, may I please? Because it's not that I don't want him to be himself. I just want him to realize that he's not the dad of the house. And I think what happens is, is we forget sometimes that God is not our homeboy, He's not our bro. He's God. And so we can ask him why when we don't understand what's happening, but we need to make sure we ask him why as a child to a parent and not as an employer to an employee. Because he's God. He's God. And so Moses, he doesn't understand. He's like, you didn't do what you were going to say you were going to do. He didn't deliver the people. And since I showed up, things have gotten worse. And then the Lord, this is what the Lord's going to do. Now, I want you to notice in this section that I'm going to read, I want you to notice all of the I am's and the I will's. The I am's and the I will's. Look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of the land. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, or Yahweh, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them. "...to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments." I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel and they did not heed Moses because of anguish, of spirit, and cruel bondage. Moses has questions, and God has answers. Moses has questions, and God has answers. So if you have questions, you need to go to the Lord and see how the Lord will answer you. Notice, he comes and he says, I will do what I told you I was going to do. You will be delivered from Egypt. Notice he says that Pharaoh is going to drive you out With a strong hand. He's saying, look, by the time this is over, Pharaoh is going to be pushing you guys out the door. That's what he says. So he says, don't lose heart because right now things are not going as planned. Because God has a timing. There's a a way that God works. We like the end. God's into the process. We want to get to the other side. God likes to grow us up in the midst of it all. We have to have his perspective. Lord, I'm about the to process too, because you are. So he says, look, you will be delivered. And then in verses 2, 3, and 4, the Lord reminds them of this covenant. Now, if you've traveled with us through the book of Genesis, remember I told you the Bible is about three things. God, the people, and the land. From Genesis to Revelation, that is what you could call a meta-narrative or an overarching narrative, an overarching story of the Bible. It's about God, the people of God, and the land that God has promised. It's So what he does here is after he says, look, you will be delivered, I'm going to rehearse once again my vows, my covenantal promises that I made to you. Notice what he says, verse 2. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, Lord, I was not known to them. So he says, look, I am the Lord. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I revealed myself to them as, as God Almighty in the Hebrew El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. That's what El Shaddai means. It really comes from two Hebrew pictures. The first picture, that word Shaddai, Shad. It means two things Primarily it means mountain And when you think of a mountain It always thinks of strength Because if you put a city on a mountain It was fortified Because of the fact People had to come up it And you could shoot at them When they're coming up So the idea of a mountain Always speaks of strength in the Bible And that word shed Is also the Hebrew word for, for breast Which speaks of the sufficiency Of a mother with a child So El Shaddai God Almighty It speaks of strength and sufficiency Right? He says I revealed myself to them as the all-sufficient one, the almighty one, but I didn't tell them that my name was I am who I am. That's what it says, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see all in caps, that is God's personal name, the I am who I am. That it's in Hebrew four consonants, a yud, a he, a vuv, and a he, which would be a Y, H, W, or V, and an H. He's like, look, I've revealed myself to you personally in a way that's unique from the way that I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, what does that teach us? That teaches us that God doesn't give everybody everything all the time. Sometimes God teaches us just as much as we need. And that's why we are blessed to live in community. Because you do not want to try and do your Christian walk on your own. Why? Because God speaks to people in different ways. Sometimes God will be speaking to someone I'll be talking to somebody And I've been a pastor for a decent amount of time Not nearly as long as Pastor Bill But I'm working on it And I'll talk to somebody And God will have shared something with them That I had never learned before And I love that because in community As we're sharing our faith with one another As we're growing together Then all of a sudden someone will say something like, wow, I like that And I'm saying, hey, that'll preach I'll use that, you know Because God speaks to people in different ways, uniquely. And we learn from one another. So he's saying, look, I'm God. I'm revealed myself to you uniquely. Then he says, of course, in verse 4, I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. See, there's the land again. God's going to give them a land It's going to take us a long time to get there, but we will see them taking that land in the book of Joshua in about, I don't know, maybe six years from now. Hey, I'm doing better. In the Bible, it took them 40 years, so I'm flying. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to lead you in the wilderness forever. Trust me. And then, of course, in verse 5, and I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. See, there's the people. So in those verses, you have God, the people, and the land again. Now, in verse 6, he starts to roll through all the things he's going to do. And notice what he says. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Awesome. You're under hard bondage. You have the burden of slavery. I'm going to deliver you. Great. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. The idea of redemption, it speaks of to buy back from slavery. And the idea of with an outstretched arm, it speaks of God's strength. God's saying, listen, I'm going to reach on in and I'm going to pull you out. And with great judgments. Notice that in verse 7, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. So God's not saying, look, I'm going to just deliver you from slavery and then say, okay, go, go. He says, no, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to deliver you from slavery and then you're going to be my own. You're going to be mine. Now, I like that. Because we know that this deliverance in Israel It's not just about the deliverance of the slavery from Egypt But there's a greater deliverance that the Bible speaks about And that is all of us All who would believe from the bondage of sin And that word sin means missing the mark It speaks of our rebellion against God And we all do it very, very well Nobody taught you how to be in rebellion against God We just do it We all do it There's not a person who doesn't do it except for Jesus himself. So when God delivers you from that rebellion, he doesn't say, okay, now I delivered you, now just go your own way. He says, look, I'm going to deliver you, I'm going to make you my own. You're going to be my people. I like that. You didn't know God was so hip, did you? God says, you're going to be my peeps. That's what he says. He says, I'll be your God. And then it says, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. He's like, look, you'll know that I'm God because I've delivered you. You will know that I am the real deal by the deliverance that you will see in your own life. And brothers and sisters, I'll be honest with you. The greatest testimony to the people who you know about who God is, is the way he has delivered you from the way you used to be. That is a huge testimony. You used to be one way and now you're another way. You used to be really selfish. And then when you're, now when you're selfish, you say, look, I'm really sorry, but I was being really selfish and I felt really convicted about it. So will you forgive me for being selfish? And all of a sudden people are like, wow. Wow. They realize that they're selfish and they're apologizing. That's a huge testimony. See, cause the testimony is not that you're perfect because that never happens until you go to be with the Lord. Your testimony is that now I used to always be this way and now when I am that way I feel terrible about it. Because God says, no, no, no. Not for my child. People always say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, everywhere is full of hypocrites. The mall is full of hypocrites. We still go there. (laughs) Facebook, I mean, Facebook is like hypocrite central. Right? But we're all on it, right? We don't boycott. Listen, the... Hypocrites are everywhere. The only difference is Christians realize it and we start to own it. We say, look, God's working on me. I'm sorry that I'm not as I ought to be, but I'm growing. Will you pray for me? See, there's a humility. There's a humility that comes from walking with the Lord because the Lord's just like, listen, I'm doing a work in your life. Yeah, you used to do all these things and you're still struggling with some of them. But when you mess up, you just go own it. You say, I'm sorry. As a pastor, I feel blessed because people come and they share their lives with me. And they'll say, oh, Pastor Daniel, I feel so terrible. And I'm like, you know, I'm proud of you. huh?" I'm like, because there's a million people who do that and they don't feel bad about it at all. But because you're God's child, you realize that God wants something more for your life than that. Something better. Something more profound. And so the conviction that you feel is proof that you're God's kid because he loves you. So I'm proud of you. Don't ever let God not convict your heart. At the point where we lack the conviction of the Holy Spirit, then I get nervous with somebody. Because it shows that they're not their heart is being hardened to the way God works. And see, God, he's a loving father. He doesn't just correct us because he gets off on it. God corrects us because he knows who he created us to be. He knows what our lives, Jesus living through our lives with our circumstances is meant to look like. So he doesn't want to just keep us under his thumb. He wants to build us up. Like if Pastor Bill was here, he'd tell you about making, growing tomatoes. I don't know much about growing them. I just know about eating them. Especially in sauce with fish, preferably, or meatballs, same difference. But I know that it comes from tomatoes. And if you have a tomato plant, sometimes you need to put a stake in the ground. You need to tie the, the stalk thing to it. See, I, I don't have a green thumb at all. But I sure know when a tomato tastes good. You know, and you you have to tie it up. Why? So that it keeps growing up tall so it can get sun. That's how the Lord works. Sometimes the Lord ties us to something because he's like, look, I need you to grow up. And if I don't do this, you're going to sag and it's all going to die because it's not going to get enough sunlight. See, that's the way the Lord works. Because he loves us. And he wants us to grow and he knows what he wants our lives to look like. He knows what he created our lives to look like. That's the greatest thing we have is the way God is changing us, the testimony of our lives. Now notice in verse 8, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Now notice the bookends on verses 6 to verses 8. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I don't really say that you should underline your Bible. Some people like to do that. So if you do underline I would underline the, I am the Lord. And if you don't do it in your own Bible, just reach over to the, your neighbors and underline their Bible. Just so you can feel part of what we're doing here. Because there's something about when God says, look, I'm God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to deliver you. I'm God. I got this. I have a great plan. I am the Lord. You guys have heard me say it a lot on Sundays, the, but God. All of our issues, personally. Our heart issues end with this phrase, I am the Lord. It ends. Because in the greatness of God's majesty, our issues get very small. Because when you look at something like, I don't know how this is going to happen, then you hear the Lord say, I am the Lord. You say, all right, this is good. So I think that that line in and of itself might be the most important line in the Bible. I am the Lord. Because God is God. And whatever's going on in your life The I am the Lord Fixes it Doesn't mean that the outcome comes out The way you think it should But it means that whatever outcome comes out God has it And God knows what he's doing It's an important reality It's what we trust It's what we hope in It's how we live Now notice Moses brings all this to the people And look at their response In verse 9 So Moses spoke thus the children of Israel, and they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They heard it, but they didn't hear it. Now, this is what I want to encourage you guys. When somebody is really struggling, anguish, pain, don't force them to walk in faith. You can't do it.
0: God assured His people that they would know He is God because He would deliver them. As a believer, God delivered you as well. And as Pastor Daniel said, that's a huge testimony to others. We're still sinners, but He has delivered us from death. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus Is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. For
1: most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch
0: up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to Jesusisrealradio.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue through the beginning of Exodus, when we'll hear what God is going to do in order to bring his people out of Egypt. Moses knew what would come, but he'll stay strong. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled The Passover. Until then, may God bless. It's no typical
1: journey We walk on a narrow trail
0: We walk